Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Hey folks, welcome back. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. I'm your co-host Joe Lu, and today I'm joined with Pastor Lydia, who's a co-founder of 180 Church, pastor of Transformation, and wife to Dr. Sammy. And today is a conversation that's a bit of a double whammy. We're covering a little bit of our conversation and our sermon from our day in the Sun Family Picnic about the moral rot of our society. And also um, following that up with how a lot of us can be very selective about our discipleship and maybe have lost track of our priorities and who is truly leading our lives, um, which I think is a very important reflection piece, especially given this pandemic. And I think we covered a lot of great um, topics here, um, a couple of exercises that we can glean a lot of wisdom from as well. And so hopefully this sermon and this conversation could help stimulate what is truly of importance and what truly takes precedence in our lives as Christ followers so that we can really become like Christ and lead more to Jesus as well. And so without further ado, here's Dr. Sammy. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Today, we're going to be concluding our exposition of Acts chapter 8, as we for the last three weeks, been really excavating the incredible, rich, and deep narrative of Philip's missionary journey from the persecution of the church in Jerusalem to Samaria, the revival that we spoke of. And then the Spirit abruptly takes Philip to Gaza to meet the Ethiopian eunuch, which opens a door to a new continent in Africa. But when we study the pattern of Acts chapter 8, and you pay close attention, you see that again the Holy Spirit abruptly takes Philip after the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch to another place, Azotus, which is west of Portugal. We have Portugal has really good extracts. Portuguese extracts are my favorite. Okay, let me focus again. But think about that for a second. This challenge we have in the 21st century here and now in the churches that we attend, our church and the American church and the church globally, for the most part, we really struggle to stay connected to Jesus in his mission. We're easily distracted and disengaged for various reasons. But for the early church, staying connected to mission and the heartbeat of Jesus seemed to be ubiquitous. It was everywhere. It was like the oxygen. It was what the air they breathed. It looked seamless in many ways. Philip visited three cities. Not as the 
official missionary, Philip, remember, left because he, you know, the persecution in Jerusalem. He was just led to these places. Now, I'm not just saying quit your job and become, you know, aimless in your mission and do whatever you hear God say. I'm not saying with a proper structure. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, I think there is an evangelistic structure to Acts chapter 8, as we can do, that we can learn from. Why such disparity between the early church and us in our engagement with God's mission? Is Jesus no longer working? Of course he is. And that's the whole point of this pandemic. What I've been preaching through the book of Acts that we must pay attention because we get easily distracted. And today, I want to really help us grapple with why we're so distracted and come to a place that we can understand the disparity. It's not because the early church were better people or spiritual giants. I believe the early church had a clear, clear sense of calling and perspective that I believe that has now been lost. And I think if we re regain that perspective, we get back in alignment with the Spirit and we can see amazing activity. God healing and changing not only our country, but it begins where we're embedded, where He has put us. Right? We talked about that. To look where you are during the pandemic. That's where God has placed you. He's placed you there for his purposes. You have an assignment, and so do I. We have to find that assignment, or we'll be aimless in our mission. And I think we've forgotten part of that. So I want to bring some clarity to that as we conclude this chapter. So let's go to the text conclude this exhibition before we go to the next. See you in a second. Hi guys. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 34 to 40. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scriptures and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariots. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. That is the word of the Lord. Amen. So in the beginning, we asked a question as we conclude and close out Acts chapter 8, this incredible story of the missionary journey of Stila. The first lesson we learned about why such disparity exists between the early church and us when it comes to being connected to Jesus and his mission. The first lesson we learned from this text is maybe we got the order wrong. Yes, maybe we got the order wrong. Why was Philip able to 
to go to three different cities, multiple places. Some people might say, well, he's a, he was an evangelist. He was chosen by the church. Incorrect. He was chosen, but he wasn't an apostle. He wasn't teaching in that capacity. He was a lay leader, meaning he was just a volunteer in many ways. Yes, he was brilliant and he was anointed by God, but he was just a Christian. Just like C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, he was a mere believer. Not a super believer, <laughs> not a super giant, not even a professional. Because some people in the church today, the deluded church, say, well, that's your job, Doc. That's the staff's job. We pay people due to the mission. That's why we have official missionaries. Yes, but Philip wasn't an official missionary. He was a mere believer on mission. This is why I say we got the order wrong. A lot of believers today got it upside down. For example, I remember one person that about a decade ago had a conversation with me. He was struggling in his faith. He was burnt out by the church or whatever. And we in Washington Square Park had a conversation. And his wife was really trying to get him back connected. He was disengaged. And he said, I'm going to try. I I'm doing my best. You know, I work 60 hours a week and I'm trying to be the, you know, the best husband. I'm trying my best. So I'm going to try to come to church from now on. And then I looked at him and I said, are you going to try to go to work tomorrow? And he goes, no. Of course I'm going to go to work tomorrow. I said, then why is your faith negotiable? You see, here is the object, here is the subject-object balance that's off. Philip was able to do not, not a lot because he was evangelistically gifted. No, he was available. First, there was space. For many of us, sometimes there isn't space for whatever reason that may be. It's about prioritizing who we're following and what we value most in our lives. You see, our jobs, many times our careers, is really what we worship. Because it's a non-negotiable. It's what we're committed to. When the truth is, the Bible says kingdom first, Jesus first, then family, work-life balance, last. When we say we're going to try, what that means is we have selective discipleship. And that's what we have to really eliminate from our idea, our assumptions today, that ministers are professionals, missionaries are professionals. No, no, no. The reason why Philip went to these places was because the church, what? The church leaders trained him. My job is to equip you for the mission, to go into your workplaces, to your families, and be the light 
like Philip. So really, it's not a matter of if, it's who. Who is the leader of our lives? Someone recently, while walking in the park, my wife and I asked, you know, it's so strange your dog is behind you. Usually all dogs are in front of you. Uh, according to Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer, when you lead your dog, your dog is always behind you, never in front of you. Because if they're in front of you, they're the leader. And a lot of times it's a picture of many of us, we're trying to lead God to our plans, our goals, when it's really the opposite. So the question is, who's leading who? Philip was a normal believer, mere Christian. And that's why I say we got the order wrong. So if you're a doctor, healthcare worker, engineer, investment banker, and you say, well, I don't really have time. Then I got my family and my kids. Well, then are you doing mission in your job? Are you representing Jesus? Like, well, no. You see, all these excuses really in the end are reduced down to who the Lord is in our lives. And the truth is, we're Lord. Mission is non-negotiable. Jesus says in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I have taught you. So today, can you check if Jesus is number one in your life? We all have to examine that. It's a chronic issue. The idea of pocket Jesus that we use Jesus for our game and we put him back in our pocket like a good love charm to advance our life. That's not the gospel. That's the prosperity gospel. That's the heresy. I believe the Holy Spirit is calling many of us to come back to the center and surrender our leadership, our stubbornness back to the Lord so that he can begin to lead our lives like he is leading Philip. In the beginning, we asked the question, why such disparity exists between the early church and us, of how they were connected to Jesus and his mission? Well, that disparity exists because maybe the second lesson is we just forgot the goal. What is the goal of, of a Christian? What is the objective? What's the target? To become like Jesus. The mission, what is that? We talked about in the first point, is to what? To lead more to Jesus. Then the second, the goal is to become more like Jesus. We measure everything in our professional lives, in our lives in general, right? Social status, we measure it by what? Certain metrics. In sports, we measure everything. The whole GOAT conversation between MJ and LeBron, how many rings, fours versus, fours versus six, and et cetera, how many MVPs, they're all this type of metric. How do you measure 
a Christian, how do you know how you're doing to become like Jesus? More like Jesus. And how do you measure that? By the basics. The whole point of spiritual disciplines, the whole point of spiritual ritual is not the end. We don't pray because that's the end. We don't listen to sermons because that's the end. We don't go to church because that's the end. Because that would be a checklist. That would be a religion, not a relationship. No, we pray to get closer to God, right? We, we read scripture so that whatever is incorrect or broken would be what? Realigned or healed and we'll reflect the glory of God in our lives. So look at the basics in this passage. The Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip the question, reading from the book of Isaiah. He was what? Reading scripture. Then, right after reading scripture, in verse 34, he is baptized. Another form of discipline. And sometimes, during the pandemic, repetition, this online remote service, Zoom, small groups, can feel stale. And we can ask the question, as it as the novelty wears off, as we said throughout the summer, all novelty by the hedonic adaptation wears off. Why are we doing this? LeBron doesn't ask the question, why am I going to the gym or Steph Curry dribbling a basketball or Tiger Woods or anyone else practicing their craft? But for us, that's the part we've forgotten. But there's a goal. We must measure it time to time, and we need people to hold us accountable. That's why God sent Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch, right? To lead him, to guide him. But it was the basic sacraments that led him to Christ. The scriptures, baptism, something Jesus told his disciples to do in the Great Commission. Sometimes during the pandemic, we can even feel like, you know, I got this. Pride could swell up. Self-righteousness could swell up. I know all this stuff. I'm tired of hearing all your same stories, Doc. <laughs> I'm tired of, of being in this passage for the last month. But the whole point of repetition is formation. There's no formation without reputation, which leads to transformation. And sometimes we seek a sexy spirituality, sometimes outside of the local church. Something catchy and exciting. But that usually leads, again, to a dead end. I love what G.K. Chesterton says in his book, Orthodoxy. I want to remind all of us, through basics and repetition throughout this pandemic, as we can't meet together so much, I want to remind you why we're doing this online why we're listening to the word of God. This is what he says. When I fancied that I stood alone and I was really in the ridiculous position of being backed by all Christendom, it may be, heaven forgive me, that I did try to be original, but I only succeeded in inventing all by myself an inferior copy of the existing tradition of civilized religion. 
the man from the yacht that thought he was the first to find England, I thought I was the first to find Europe. I did try to find a heresy of my own, and when I had put the last touches to it, I discovered it was orthodoxy. There may be or may not be some entertainment in reading how I found at last an anarchist club or in a Babylonian temple what I might have found in the nearest parish church. Folks, I want to remind you that the point of our discipline of reading scripture together, espousing this text, excavating and learning the book of Acts, worshiping, meeting together when we can, is to become like Jesus. And that's something that all of us will never attain. It's a perpetual journey to achieve perfection but never really arriving there. But when we become more like Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit manifests out our life and heals brokenness around us. We give ourselves the integer in integrity and wholeness to our families, not in fragments. And like I said, during the day in the sun, people are blessed by us. Our neighbors, our friends, our spouses, our children when they get to all of us. And when we become more like Jesus, we're a blessing. So today I pray the Spirit of God would again scan your heart and remind you why we're doing all of this. Amen. Let's sing together right now and ask the Holy Spirit to reform in us a heart that's pliable, moldable, so we can become a blessing in this world and to our country. God bless you guys. Let's pray. Lift our hands and make us our prayer. All right. Um, it's always the hardest part. Uh, I have so many questions that I want to ask. Um, uh-huh. It's just a matter of how do I say them, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think... Um, not to just dive right into it, but if you don't mind, I mean, just diving right into yeah. it here. Um, yeah. But, you know, I guess like one of the things that I really appreciate about our our pocket Jesus and selective discipleship uh, sermons that we have at our church is always the reminder that it's, it's not about me, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's always my takeaway message. But then, you know, when we come around to talking about pocket Jesus again, it's like, oh, I forgot. It's not about me, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's always a good reminder because I think a lot of the times, one of the things that I really appreciate about what Dr. Sammy was saying, uh, over the years and in regards to the sermon is that, you know, as believers, I do think we put a lot of the responsibility of like what God is doing and God's mission on the hands of our leaders or, Mm -hmm. um, the people that, you know, maybe we feel like God has specifically called to ministry, but you know, I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we do forget that ministry falls in the hands of just your everyday congregation member or, um, you know, community member or all of us that are professing Christ followers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this message is such a good reminder that, you know, I don't think a lot of the times we take a moment to reflect on, like, are we really becoming like Christ 
Um, and are we really doing God's mission because of our preoccupations with whatever advances in our lives or whatever competing commitments there are, or these distractions, like Dr. Sammy said. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess like one of my questions to start off, you know, I, uh, I was just kind of wondering what your, like what it is that we have to incorporate into our lives or how we can really go about our weeks and such so that we can maintain and keep God in the center, right? Like, cause I think that's what my takeaway was with this message is that a lot of times, you know, the God as the center of our life sometimes falls out of that center because of whatever various reasons um, and whatever things that we come across. And I was just wondering, like, you know, what, what is it like, how can we remember to keep our priorities, our priorities, our non-negotiables, our non-negotiables. And, you know, as Christ followers, like upholding our values. Yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. And I guess I'm having a lot of different, I guess, thoughts around that. Um, But I'm actually brought back to the day in the sun message Mm. um which was titled i mean the day in the sun was a family picnic but it was about the moral rot in our society and um our cultural foundations right and sam actually spoke um about the difference of personality um what is it personality personality ethic and uh, character ethic versus character characteristic and how that relates to the gospel and you know at one point he actually said it was such a great message right and at one point he turned around to the people and said you thought you came to a church picnic or you came to, you thought you came to a nice day in the sun but you're actually at a leadership conference mm-hmm. and i thought that was very i mean it's like funny and everyone laughed like haha but there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that transition is kind of like the transition that God's always trying to, you know, remind us of because, you know, like when there's so many conferences out there to help you become better at something to achieve goals. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's really for people who have goals in mind and they want to arrive. They want to get there. They want to get something. But I think in the same way, um, it kind of goes back to like what you said, you know, that um, a lot of times I forget that it's not about me and, you know, how can we maintain um, this? How can we maintain the memory or how do we remember that it's not just for the leaders or those called specifically to ministry to, you know, or start churches or to lead a church like pastors, um, um, that it's not just their responsibility, but also I am called to be a disciple and to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And as a mere Christian, as C.S. Lewis writes about, that I am that person to be sent out, to be the light, to go out into the world. Jesus was talking about me, for me to make a difference. And I guess I was reminded of that message because. I mean, other than that, we were talking about it also, but, you know, because, you know, a lot of people think, well, I don't really have much to offer 
Like mm-hmm. I, and I'll, I'll speak to the believers, like believers who come to Christ um, because the moral rot is in all of us and we fall short apart from Christ and what he has done. And given that I'm speaking to the believers in this moment, but you know, believers who have come to know this forgiving grace and the redeeming grace of Jesus Christ, people often feel like, well, I'm a Christian and I don't really have much to offer. I'm not like a leader in the church. So I'm not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not that. But the transition of going to a leadership conference is really because God is always trying to help us remember that why we become followers of Christ is because of the revelation that we did not once have, that we can be redeemed and that we do fall short apart from him. One, yes. And I think that's something that we should always remember. But two, because we are the light of the world, Jesus calls us all. And I'll just kind of exclude myself for now, not that I'm an exception, but because I am a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. That he's called mere Christians, saved by grace, grace, not not trained in some leadership Christian college, but by in the integrity, character ethic, and not the personality ethic. By not taking shortcuts, by not building house on sand, by not um, caring about character, but actually living out the character and the values of Christ and following him on his path, I think could do way more as light in the world than most of this flamboyant, um, you know, these like fancy celebrity leaders could do for the, for the masses or it, what it might seem, you know, in, mm-hmm. in social media, for example. I know that's a lot to say. I, it's like a mouthful to say, mm-hmm. but I just feel like that's the transition God has on. And there's a bit of a learning curve because I think that a lot of times when we become Christians and even outside as seekers looking into the church, kind of ha- have a lot of assumptions about what um, what the church is or how the church runs. But the truth is God has called the body of Christ of its many functions and parts of the body to be the church, right? So mm. I think that it's not so much about education, but remembering who we are, that we are followers of Christ because we are being redeemed. We are redeemed by grace by his love and this relationship with God that we have received completely by grace, yes, is actually the one thing we need like to become, to follow, to mimic, to imitate, to turn to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just feel like there is a learning curve, but I think God, is, that's why God is always kind of like, you know, we grow a little bit, you know, people grow and then, you know, you kind of forget and you hit a plateau and then God knocks with the haunting of his knock. Like, hey, let's get back on this because this matters. Like your light that I have given you matters. Your presence in the world, it, your integrity matters to the world, to the witness of who I am, you know, mm-hmm. and what the church is. So I guess, yes. Those are some of the thoughts that I'm having as you're asking me that question. 
For sure. Thank you for sharing. Because I think um, I think you make a really great point about the learning curve also, because like, I think one of the things that are difficult as far as um, the calling and maybe what people might feel is like a very weighty and heavy responsibility to carry out mission and live out the calling of God in their lives is that, you know, it's like very difficult to embrace the mm. the call, you know, like I think maybe the discomfort of, you know, fully accepting that we are, you know, reborn in Christ and um, our lives mm. are, you know, meant to glorify Christ in becoming like him and to bringing, drawing others closer to him and stuff. Like that. It, it might feel like a lot, you know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's like a lot of pressure to, like Dr. Sammy was kind of saying in this week's sermon, was like, you know, like striving for perfection, even though we don't ever really achieve it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a really daunting mm-hmm. thing, right? Because I guess it feels like life change or engaging in what God is calling us to might seem bigger than us, right? Um, mm-hmm. and so like, maybe that's why we displace that pressure onto our leaders. Cause like, you know, it, it like, it helps us like, you know, feel or like kind of hide in the shadows of our, our leaders and such like that. But I, I guess I was wanting to ask this question about like that learning curve, you know, like how do we embrace the call or like embrace this this life that God is calling us to, or the life that God is calling us to? You know, I think that it's really, it really goes back to that, to that message. You know, I think a lot of times the pressure is on, uh, we wear this pressure to be like a certain type of leader because really there is a temptation, I think, whether we want it or not, to be like someone else, you know, like to be, um, charis- charismatic, to be a certain type of leader, like type A leader, um, to be like that celebrity who speaks well, or to be like that pastor who seems very impactful, um, when he speaks. Or, you know, I think there is that pressure, but actually, not to say that, you know, all, I don't want to like generalize, but, I think there is this pressure that's not even re- reality, but it's in our, in our minds about how well will we perform, you know, or if I'm not that. And if that's kind of your expectation on yourself to be that kind of leader, well, until I attain that, well, then I'm not going to ever be good enough to be the light. But the call of the gospel is to live in integrity today, to choose mm-hmm. Christ today. That the actions that you take today, the obedience today will actually bear much, much fruit in your life. And as Sam said in the day and son, that it will bear much fruit to your families, to your friends. There is something about the life that we choose in Christ each day that speaks way more impactful and powerful. And if we're ever given a chance to even have a platform, I think a lot of people think I don't have a platform, so it doesn't really matter what I say. So I don't need to say anything. I don't need to do anything. But the call of the gospel is to live and to follow Christ. So I think integrity is actually a huge thing to um, like, you know, we'll never be perfect, but we strive for it. 
You know, it's not really about, oh, well, if I'm not going to be perfect, why should I strive for it? Mm-hmm. Well, I know that I'm never going to be a math whiz, but I, I want to be able to help my children, you know, get through math and know that they can do it, know that they can excel in school, that they can be um, more than just mediocre sitting in a, you know, sitting and feeling like they could throw all their pencils. Like it, the little things that we do in repetition that feels almost um, so routine that it's like, I'm probably not getting anywhere actually is how you overcome the learning curve. Right. Do you think it comes with like thinking that maybe our plate is much smaller at first than it actually, or much larger at first than it actually is? Like, do you think there's like a misconception that God's calling for us is automatically this huge grandiose task as opposed to the being faithful to what God has given you in the present, you know, because I think when I'm thinking about what you're saying, it, it almost seems like that pressure is kind of self-induced because um, like we we're immediately jumping to demanding of ourselves perfection, right? Like as as far as moral or morality goes or as far as ethics go or integrity goes, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it's not really like that, right? Like the process isn't like God just throws you into these like gigantic stadiums with like a platform but the it's the integrity starts with like the faithfulness to the things on our plate right now it it is that repetition and you know i guess being a good steward of what we've been given in the present moment right yes i think most of what we dream of i think you know honestly i'm not sure if like Non-Christians think about it this way, like, oh, I need to have a platform to be a good Christian. I think Christians have that, like, oh, I I want a platform. I think there's a huge temptation because there's so much celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. um, Christian um, and, and exposure of social media lately. But I think it's exactly what you said. It's not a lot of people go, well, you know what? I am going to prepare myself for that platform so that I say the right thing so that everything I say is somehow it hits all the hearts and it brings about like, it's not like that. Mm. <laughs> it's about really about who you're becoming and how, the life that you live, that it actually imitates Christ and that you're becoming like him. That is more impactful. And then, oh, you know, like, I don't know, but you know what I mean? It's not for that one performance. It's not for that one show. And I think sometimes that could be a distraction, but I think some people are not really thinking platform. I think some people are thinking, well, I'm not sure. I, I'm so behind this integrity thing and I'm not yeah. sure I'm going to be able to really live that. So I'm not going to try, but it's like what you just said. You start where you are. Like where you are in the present moment is where you're meant to be. And it's there you can build your house um, in on layers of rock and not sand. You have that choice right now. It's not really a matter of if or but or what. You know, it's really the storm will come. But in the meantime, you can do what you can do. And you can build your life on character and the integrity um, you can become the person that God wants you to be. And that's not all about, that's rarely about showbiz and, you know, showmanship. 
Never. I should say never. It's really about who you're becoming. So you can build those blocks of integrity and steps of integrity today. You can begin today. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah that totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I and you know, but that you know, it, it makes sense to me because you know, I think me being on the side of a believer, me understanding or trying to also grow in integrity as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think I, I understand the value and why I want to be a person of integrity. For the mm-hmm. for the longevity of my life, but you know, one of the things I also wanted to ask you in mm-hmm. the same type of vein is like, you know, you know, in our world where you know we're seeing cheating and we're seeing so much personality ethic uh, taking over our media and our screen time, and seeing all these larger than life personalities that seem to be like charming or bombastic and you know glamorous, right? Like everything around mm-hmm. us tells us like glamour is the way to go you know what is it about what is it about integrity that is is so valuable or so important to you do you think because you know i think all of us appreciate and understand the value of integrity as as a foundational um ethic right like you want to be someone that does what they say they do or that lives out what they claim that they live for right um but in a world that is just just so much emphasis is placed on the personalities and the larger than life characters characteristics or caricatures around us like why mm-hmm. why would why would one whether believer or seeker why would one want to live a life of integrity well uh meaning like what's the value of yes, exactly. living in integrity in a world where everybody else is kind of getting their through shortcuts yes without integrity Mm-hmm. I think that um, more and more we're realizing pe- that it matters way more than people make it out to be. You know, what happens when a leader, a prominent leader fails in his character? Yeah, you'll have majority of people who don't care about his corruption will say, well, at least he gets the job done. Right. But I think that enough people that people care about who that man or who that woman is. In the end, um, how can you really trust um, someone's, I don't know, someone's to be substantial when they've proven that they don't value the things that you value? You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it matters more than we maybe talk about um, them or maybe more than we I guess, kind of drool over the glamour about, you know, mm-hmm. people want to see that. But I think integrity, I think, is a commodity that is maybe less talked about, but is way more um, substantial. And it's pro- it's been proven for its longevity in relationships, in witness, in impact in the world. So. Hmm. Yeah, like celebrity and the glamorous stuff, or like, or yeah, or that, or a life without integrity is a very. It seems like, I think in my head, I know that it's a fleeting thing, or it's not very substantial as far as what we're basing our lives off of, or that's not something that I would want to base my life off of. Um, mm-hmm. 
but I also feel like there's like such a strong temptation towards it because it, the, the common thing, like even in academia or like as far as school goes, a lot of the worries that uh, students around me have right now is that with COVID and online schooling, like everybody else is like cheating, you know, like there's like this, there's like this notion or idea that everybody is breaking the rules. So why should I not break the rules and mm -hmm. also cheat? You know what I mean? And I feel like there's a, that temptation is so strong that it overshadows the value of integrity. You know what I mean? Cause like the way that I think I reconcile that is that when at the end of the day, I speak to somebody about my grades, I want to be able to be proud enough to say that I did my best without cheating. Um, right. And I'm, I can say that like without like having to lie or like, you know, say through my teeth, this, this nice thing about me that might not be true, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but you know, maybe like one of the things I have a tough time reconciling is that like how, how does one learn that that is um, valuable, you know? Cause it seems like the value is so often placed on success by any means you know, like arriving at the top by any means. But, you know, um, it seems like I think as a believer and as someone that has known Christ for a little bit now uh, or a decent amount of time now, we I, I, I feel at the end of that is just uh, a very empty life. Um, and I guess the, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you a lot of questions about our responsibility as christians towards integrity and like trying to become like christ is that i i guess what like christ as a person of integrity and as a person of hope and love is is very attractive you know um and i guess i was just trying to toe the line between how can one also realize that these qualities about jesus um and this character ethic as a christian is something that is also attractive you know yeah but you know like not to be not so spiritual but i you know ultimately it's really you do it because that's not who you want to be <laughs> you know yeah. like you you live in integrity and you fight for it you don't cheat because you don't want to be that person like you said you know not just to say well i got these good grades you know on my own and that feels good to you right yeah. It feels good for you to know that you did it on your own. And like think about the insecurity and the low self-esteem level in the world and of people trying to fake it till they make it because there's there have been so many gaps and so many shortcuts people have taken and they just feel like you know, I'm not the real deal. People might like people struggle with that and the overcompensation of narcissism over that and the over you know, the whole, what is it? The celebrity, what is that? Um, the, the, yes, the personality ethic of, you know, revering a certain personality type or a certain style or whatever. Like that, I think that is really, it does not last. I mean, I would, I would think the relationships suck. Like, how could you really trust someone who has not, who has not been genuine throughout their life? And I think you can tell by the quality of relationships. And also, you know, so many, so many people talk about this, right? Like, 
you know, everyone's cheating. I don't know. I just need to get through school sometimes. And people who have chosen, even if people had struggled at one point, people who chose to walk in integrity at one point as a result of, you know what, I don't want to be this person anymore. I think that's the greatest motivation. I don't want to be this person anymore that cheats. Mm. I want to, if I do less better, or I don't know, I'm not making, I don't know. But, you know, if if my grades go down a little bit, then it's on me. But I'd rather do this myself. And I think there is such a joy of people who realize that, even people who have once, you know, been on the path of cheating. There is, it's, there is a fruitfulness that comes with people who, who realize that about themselves, that that's not what they want to be. But can you imagine a life that's constantly taking shortcuts and time after time just, you know, I don't know. I think that's, I think description of sand is really good because storms will come. And, and I think the confidence also builds when people live in integrity. Mm. You love yourself better. Yes, we're loved by God, but to like yourself for knowing yourself is a whole different issue. Mm. And people who are, who live in integrity like themselves more, you know? And I think that's how confidence builds as well. There's so mm. much low self-esteem as a result of, you know, I don't know, shortcuts. And I think the world is getting smarter about that. But I think, you know, people are sometimes late to realize, but never too late to realize. I mean, if that's you and you've been kind of cutting, um, yourself short in mm. this journey of following Christ today is that day when you realize that I don't want to be that person anymore. And it doesn't negate you from the journey. I mean, that's the awesome thing about the grace of Jesus. We turn to him when we realize these things. Um, he also is redeeming us each day, sanctifying us each day as his followers. And, you know, and that's the call of the gospel that we, are morally corrupt on the inside apart from him that in him we are becoming someone else that we're able to become a whole different picture of um i don't know of a i know the word saint sounds weird but actually it's sinner versus saint we're sinners saved by grace who are like saints we are becoming like christ as mm -hmm. a result of the choice we make today so yeah yeah I definitely feel that. I feel like being on both sides of the spectrum because I do think that um, when I was younger, cheating and taking shortcuts has been the way that I did operate my life. But it wasn't until I was introduced to integrity or living a life that models after Christ and, you know, has serious implications and impact on not not just on others, but on myself. You know, I think that really changed the way that I saw integrity and how, like how much I was, mm -hmm. I was very like hungry at first to incorporate it in my life. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, that being said, I think over time, you know, you forget also and like, you know, well, I guess this is a pretty good segue because, you know, we're also talking about how, you know, we get, we get distracted and we kind of lose the priority of mission and becoming like Christ in our lives, right? And I think 
a lot of the motivations for why I wanted integrity is so that I could model my life off of Jesus. But, you know, I think this week's sermon was like a reminder that oftentimes we, we got the order wrong, just like Dr. Sammy was saying in his, in his first point. Um, and like, I, I really like this, uh, this like, uh, tandem conversation about the sermon because it seems like, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at how there is observable moral rot in our lives that maybe God wants to address. Um, but in that, it just kind of goes to show the motivations of our heart, um, as believers and, you know, whether we have, whether God is truly leading our lives or if we're using God for our convenience or for whatever ways that we can make it to the top or something along those lines, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so like, I kind of wanted to also ask you, like, as far as, you know, we're trying to remember that as Christians and as believers, and I think this message was very pertinent to uh, us to Mm -hmm. begin to remember or pay attention to the areas we're getting distracted and losing sight of mission at the end of the day right because like integrity is the foundation by which we can do mission and love people well and represent christ well Mm -hmm. also right Mm -hmm. um and i guess i was wondering like how do we as believers just come back to that this this um this priority in our lives of putting god first in our lives because that's it's if that is in our focus right if that is our perspective then integrity is almost like a no-brainer right mm-hmm. yeah well i i, I want to answer that question with i guess application um you know sam talked about how you know why we read the word is not because it's reading the word makes us holy but reading the word helps us to see things that are not aligned in us and it makes us correct and to be corrected within, to be aligned to him, right? Hmm. Or why we pray is that's not the end, but we pray so that we become closer to God and, and we begin to understand God's heart and we lift up others um, in prayer because there is a mission at hand or there is a, there's a cause and a battle at hand, right? So that's, the disciplines itself is not the end. But um why I say that I'm answering that with an application is because I think um in the same way, a lot of times we think, how do we get back? How do we get back? But I think the the reason why we show up to church and why we listen to the messages is also that is so that things we may have forgotten because, and I love how he mentioned that because we are kind of just, you know, bombarded by the social unrest and everything that's going on and the changes. But also there's an aspect where I think a lot of times people go, well, you know what? I got this. I, I know what the truth is. So I'm just going to do this on my own. And there's a self-righteousness that also grows where you think you don't need to hear. And then he, he's joked like, Oh, Doc, why are you on the same chapter for how long, you know? You know, and, you know, these are the things people sometimes have. Uh, They have to, you know, they have these comments like, 
oh, you know, why are we on this message again? How long are we going to be on? You know, like when I used to lead worship, you know, at church um, in live service, people didn't say it to my face, but they would be like, wow, worship is long. Like, why are we repeating that? And Sam would, would joke about that. Like, why are we repeating that line? Or Doc, why are you preaching on this message? Like, we get it. All right, Philip, the eunuch, like he came to Christ. Okay, can we move on? And people will say like, oh, I love those messages about cognitive distortions because they're so good for me, you know. Mm. But why are we on this? Well, because the self-righteousness sometimes we think we got it. And that mentality keeps us kind of like it kind of puffs us up. That knowledge within puffs us up so much that it makes us forget the order of things, I and mean, it makes us forget what's most important, that there is a goal. And I think a message like this, applicationally, it reminds us, like, one, we don't have to do this hard work to figure out what is God saying when we can't hear in our self-righteousness or in our consumptions or, or in our own anxiety, right? Or feeling like, oh, my gosh, going through the motion again. Like, oh, there we go, the quarantine office. Like, no, but when we tune in, when we show up and when we tune in because this is our discipline for the sake of hearing the message and hearing and getting the download of what God is saying in this in this moment, it literally comes and it has a way of waking you up. And it's an application of itself. It wakes mm-hmm. us up because we showed up and it aligns us, realigns us to God's word and what God is saying. And I think it's a message to really kind of rem- mind all of us um wherever people might be because i think it is a tendency to think like oh i'm not i don't i don't want to do that because i'm not feeling it or you know i'm really not in the mood to you know i think i need a walk or i think a lot there are a lot of things that kind of go on but the importance of showing up and to make space and the reason for the Sabbath of really seeking the Lord and kind of putting down our work and putting down everything else that we're doing throughout the week to hear even what God is saying has a way of realigning us for the week, for our lives. Um, it, it works with a goal in mind, right? Mm. God always has a bigger picture. So he kind of opens us up and kind of pops our bubble of, you know, of our own self-sufficiency even, even if it's puffed up and filled with the knowledge of Christ, he he reminds us that there is a goal that we're achieving towards, that none of what we do is for just this moment, but it is preparing us, it is training us, it is equipping us for what's to come. And for our witness to the world, our relationship with others to the world, like it is for a way bigger purpose. And I think, you know, I think repetition has a way of like, I think we seek novelty so so much Mm. that want something new or we want something done a different way we want a different flavor of ice cream or we want a different flavor of coffee and you know we change out the decorations of our house the floor mats of our bathrooms like we do all of these things because i think we crave change you know mm. and that's why we want novelty like we're drawn by it but i love that it's about repetition because it's really in the repetition like how 
I was actually thinking about this, you know, like as someone who orchestrates the music and all of that, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh man, is this, I feel led this way, but is this enough? And like, think about that, that like contradiction, right? I'm like, I hold, I'm praying about it. I'm like, I feel led this way, Lord, but I don't know if I should do it this way because Lord, are you sure? Because I think we need to kind of like, you know, change it up, like, so that it kind of, I don't know, entertains more. And there's always mm-hmm. that temptation. I mm-hmm. yeah. as I think anything, but to stay true <laughs> to what um, the word says or what the Lord is doing. Yes. I'm not against creativity and all of that, but I, I'm just kind of just bringing out, there's a temptation in all of us for things to be kind of a little bit more exciting. And like Josh said, like this pandemic took out all the hype. We want a little bit of hype, right? Mm. But the power repetition, like it is so powerful in the way that you think you know something because it's in your head. And then when there's an alignment that comes of realization of that knowledge into your heart and how you can apply that. When that revelation comes through the gathering of God's people, like through the message, through the reading of the word, all these things which is a means to the goal. It has a way of really um, making sense and opening up like a path in front of us. Like, you know, it, it clicks. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like, I understand what you're saying as far as the, I guess the desire for novelty or like the desire for something stimulating or exciting or change. Or something like that mm-hmm. um, is sort of what we turn our attention towards, and therefore we lose perspective on what God is actually doing, right? Um, am I am I understanding that correctly? Say it again. Like uh, our fixation on novelty and uh, exciting or stimulating things kind of takes away from our focus or our perspective on what God is actually trying to do in our lives? I wouldn't say the novelty takes away, but I think that when there's a temptation for novelty and for change, when really what God is saying, pay attention. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. like one of the things that Sam keeps repeating is, remember, pay attention that God has placed you exactly where you are for a reason. And I think a lot of times we go, okay, we got that. Yeah, that was good for that week. That message, that application was good for that week. I realized it. I'm thankful. I'm going to be mindful. But we don't really connect it to the big picture of our lives, that there Mm -hmm. is a goal that God is accomplishing. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily take away when we add novelty. And I think that novelty and creativity is necessary sometimes. You know, like you can't eat the same thing every day, right? But you change it up sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. But in the same way, like it's, we're not opposed to it, but I think it could distract us. Um, and it could keep us in the temptation of not noticing what God is actually doing in us. And yeah, it makes us miss that, I think, Mm -hmm. miss exactly what God is trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think what the thing that I'm trying to 
consider is that is there something about because I feel like if we had the right perspective I don't know I think I'm using the word right a little loosely here but if we had the perspective in mind of gleaning into what God is doing if we are kind of faced with this problem of you know sometimes prioritizing the i guess the novel things um and it detracting from the bigger picture which is god's calling right which is what god is doing in our lives like you know i i would think that that is what contributes to the selective discipleship that we do in our lives right like we we just kind of want to hear what we want to hear perhaps or it mm-hmm. like kind of fall into this positive feedback loop trap where it's like we we just kind of take away the the things we want to hear from what God is doing and God promised us. And do you think that there our our in a I don't want to say inability um our our sometimes lack of awareness of the bigger picture um is is kind of contributing to that issue that you're describing right like as far as not as far as you know ab- abiding closer towards god like what god is what god's mission and god's calling is i guess assuming that if you knew what god was doing that you would want to do that <laughs> right right Right, but that I guess that's I mean, what, yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of times the preoccupation about what should be is really what consumes our mind a lot, is what is the distracting factor that we kind of miss what God is doing and we fail to pay attention. But I think that the pandemic in many ways, God has been working on this in all of us, that preoccupation of the things that we feel should be in our lives or the things that we feel should look like or our lives should look like in our lives. I think God is working on those things. And that is kind of his work of discipleship in us. Um I think there is a shift and a change uh, on people's hearts and knowledge in their hearts of one way of living that life is supposed to be like this um, mm. grand, glamour, mobile, you know, um, full of autonomy. But when all of that is taken away, um, it makes you really wonder and question like, well, then what is the meaning if I can't go on these vacations or if I can't go out when I want and hang out with my friends or go to that party or, you know, go to the gathering because I feel like it or, you know, what about my autonomy? Uh, But I think God will speak to those things that really preoccupy and consume us. Yeah. And I found that to be very powerful um, of a blessing in disguise in this difficult time. Mm. Um, seeing that that's 
you know, it's, there seems to be a really deep work of expectation um, and pre-consumption and preoccupation. There are a lot of these things that take up our minds and our hearts that we're so consumed by it that we can't live the life that we're meant to be a lot, a lot of times, I think. And seeing God undo those places in, um, in the congregation, um, you know, through conflicts and through feeling like, you know, um, like you're hitting a wall or feeling like you're locked in and feeling you're stuck. I think God is addressing and it's been really powerful to see how people are able to kind of navigate through that by the spirit and realizing that they're exactly where they're supposed to be, that God is at work and to be able to pay attention beyond the preoccupation of things and the distraction of things has been pretty, um, amazing to witness hmm. yeah I, I agree with the with that sentiment because I feel like a lot of the things that I personally feel like I like maybe the expectations I might have had during this period of my life you know because I think we're we I don't know maybe I think I also learned during the pandemic that I'm a little bit more on the anxious side, but you know, I think about my future quite a bit. And a year ago, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very certain I had a lot of expectations riding along this year about what it's going to look like and stuff. And a lot of that stuff has been shattered. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, <laughs> my preoccupations have certainly been shattered, like, uh, being so concerned with money and like my grades and, like worrying about stuff you know like just just things that have been going on in my life to Mm -hmm. what i pleasantly found surprising and reorienting to what god is reaffirming in my heart is of most importance like mission and relationships and growing to be like christ and like these things that i think i've lost perspective on over Mm -hmm. time or in somewhere in the middle has been like brought up to my attention again um just to echo what you were saying regarding i feel like this this weird time in our lives with this pandemic has kind of offered me the opportunity to see what god is really doing and has helped me sort of reorient my perspective and my priorities um I, you know, I don't want to say that like it's it's like a done deal, you know, but, you know, as far as I can observe right now, um, mm-hmm. it, it seems like it's that way. And um, yeah, and I, I find that really refreshing for me. Um, and that's why I think with the sermon. Sorry, this is this is kind of off the fly, so I, I I'm still gathering my thoughts on this. But with, but with this sermon, you know, like I think I think what Dr. Sammy was saying was so true. You know, I think we somewhere along the lines, whether we know it or not, we do sort of forget the goal of who we were trying to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so preoccupied with success or so preoccupied with making it or 
climbing that first mountain and kind of like referencing the book that Dr. Sammy was mentioning, The Second Mountain by David Brooks, which is a great book. I read it. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I, like somewhere along the lines, I forgot that the most important thing in my life, the, the, the fundamental thing that has made, that has sustained my faith up to this point and hopefully for a very long time is that I wanted to be more like Christ and somewhere along the lines, I like, totally forgot that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I feel like this is sort of that sermon that is the wake up call or like that brisk morning air that helps you remember mm-hmm. or is the call to reorient ourselves to what is the most important thing in our lives as Christians, you know, like, mm-hmm are are we is like is it really about god like are we you know reevaluating like whether our lives are for the sake of the call you know yeah you know for me it's been really amazing um this time of just because my kids are both remote learning right now so mm-hmm. i kind of get an inside look into um, how they do in school, like, uh, also how they interact with, you know, live classroom or, you know, test taking, all that stuff. And it's, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before about cheating, no cheating, you know, but mm-hmm. the thing is like, I think this learning of integrity, like integrity is learned, you know, because if you grow up learning that integrity doesn't matter, like you said before you had mentioned before like what about people who don't believe that it actually matters it's about making it um i think if you're not taught that integrity has value then you grow up believing that you know and you will take action according to that but so in this time i'm able to kind of be very close up and pay attention to my kids and Mm -hmm. their education and you know, it's easy to think like, oh, I want them to do well, so well. I want them to do be number one in the class. Forget class. I want them to do number one in the, you know, in their school. Like as a parent, it's really, and I'm Asian, you know, like it's mm-hmm. easy to have that ambition as a parent, you know, mm-hmm. although I would say I'm not like a typical tiger mom Asian. I say I'm tiger mom, but I'm not. I am, but I'm not. And I'll explain if I do get to it. But, <laughs> um, but I think that you know, there is a temptation as a parent, like you see your kids, let's say they're not doing so well in a subject, you want them to excel. And it is not a temptation to help them excel or want them to excel, but to what cost, right? So when a test comes, and it's all live stream, like I mean, through a screen, and you can't really you have the sound off, or for example, like, how do you teach your child that te- taking an exam on with integrity matters right Mm -hmm. um so i'm able to see all of that right and i was really actually i was really uh uh impressed by josh the other day because he took his first exam Mm -hmm. and i kept telling him before the exam it was like a like a like a pretty long assessment that they were doing and um I told him, Josh, I cannot help you on this exam because this is about how well you're doing and it doesn't matter to the grade and it didn't, but I need you to do your best and you could get things wrong if you want. It's all about your learning, but I'm mm-hmm. going to walk away because I'm not going to be able to help you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, okay. 
But, you know, we all know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> we all know that you're not supposed to help on the test and whatnot. But really, it's when the storm comes. It's when the trial comes, right? Mm. So when the test began, um, it's Josh isn't there good. So it's like his big assessment for the first time. So he's looking at it and he's like, oh, man, like, what is this multiple choices of like, you know, and I could see it on his face. I'm like peeking through. And um, at one point. Uh, I was like, Josh, do you know how to do the test? Do you know how to do the test? And I'm just like talking about the whereabouts. And then he's like, mom, 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 don't help me. You're not supposed to help me. Hmm. And I realized that integrity is taught. He understood that it doesn't matter how well or poorly I do. Hmm. What also matters is that how I take this test. So that was like a huge moment where I realized that as a parent, what we teach our children and what we model for our children and for people, it, it really does matter. So he took that test completely on his own, even though there were difficult parts. And so I think there are things like that, like you would think, and eh, none of that, you know, when you grow up, you'll learn integrity, but actually it's when you learn, you're able to apply. And when you apply, it's about who you become. So did he do the best in the class? I don't think so. <laughs> Does he have areas to work on? Definitely. You know, I'm not going to be like boasting, oh, my child's the best because he's not. But he is learning a lesson about integrity that's really important that cannot be taught in a classroom, might com be completely missed in a classroom. And it is often missed, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Even in a proctoring room, it's missed, but he is learning that right now, you know? Yeah. So I think that was really, really, um, a precious moment for me that, mm. yeah, sometimes you sacrifice getting that better grade. Yeah. Could I have peeked in and helped him with it? So is it that he looks a little better or feels a little better about his assessment? I totally could have, but I had to step back and then let him. It's like his moment of taking responsibility for mm. his, you know, for his life, the little, you know, for the little moment. Mm. So I think that sometimes we don't realize how powerful these moments are, but paying attention to those things, I think, is a blessing in disguise. We don't see it. We go, oh man, remote learning sucks or, you know, all this lack of autonomy sucks. Like, why does it have to be this way? But actually there's things that God is doing in our children, in our family, um, that is really precious. Like there's something that is becoming within and forming around for them to know Christ and his heart for people to know Christ and his art, but also to represent him. And there is a preparation going on within us and around us. And I think these are the things that God wants us to pay attention to. Hmm. How, can, how can we start to pay attention to these things? You know, I, I guess I wanted to ask this on, or just get your point of view and perspective on it, because I think, you know, a lot of the times it seems like the answer is to, you know, look up and turn our attention to what God is doing or, you know, spend time paying attention to God. Um, right. And mm -hmm. I guess like, um, uh, 
Yeah, I, I guess that's that's my question, really. And I was sort of thinking of this as far as, you know, like, how do we reprioritize or reorient ourselves to integrity and to God and um, the things that he's doing in our lives? Because, you know, it is on us, right, to make that effort in order to um, pay attention. But I also know that there's the aspect that it's by grace you know, mm-hmm. there there are these gracious moments by which God intercedes on our behalf and sort of shows us again, like, hey, you're you're kind of losing your way, you know. It's not, it's mm-hmm. Like whether that's like through relationships or whether that's through revelation. Um, and I, I guess I was just wondering your thoughts about that process or like what um, someone listening to this podcast could take away as far as what we can what we can do to reposition ourselves as far as our values and our um, and our direction in alignment with God. Yeah, you know, I think I've been thinking about this as well. I think you're right. There is the aspect where it is our, it has to become our focus to pay attention, but there, it's not the only aspect. It's dual and that God is also pursuing us mm-hmm. and he's wanting to encourage us. And so, and here's the part. I think as a church, we have to pay attention and okay. How do, how do I say this? I think there are things that God is doing that seems really ordinary and it could seem almost, and the word is serendipitous. It feels serendipitous, but can this really be the voice of God? I think we have to pay attention to those things. Um, and it might not feel like it's completely even related, but there's a sense of God kind of letting us know, hey, you're on the right track. Hey, let's go this path. And even though it is not completely spoken literally that way, there is a way of how he gets our attention of tugging at us and knocking at our hearts. And it happens in like a routine day of something slightly extraordinary in our understanding um, or um, a realization or a revelation or even kind of a reminder through a friend or um, an awareness that you never had about about yourself that you do someone else or what through exposing of a blind spot or whatnot, you realize and you're like, wow, I didn't know that that was something that um, I need to work on. Like, or even, you know, even correction like that. I think there is a serendipitous um occurrence in the church, how the spirit works to encourage. Um, I guess some practical things would be. My mind immediately kind of goes to what Dr. Sammy was also saying as far as the spiritual disciplines, right? You know, like, I think one of the things, like one of the things that have been really helpful for me since our last podcast was just praying for people, you know? Um mm-hmm. Like it's it's like sort of like something I've incorporated into my day, um, like if I can remember it, you know, but it has become a much more regular thing. But it it does kind of help me glean into perhaps what God is doing around me. That's like Mm. outside of me, you know, like it's it just takes me outside of me because a lot of my prayers or my journals would be like, you know. (laughs) like what's been going on in my life or like what have I learned or like takeaways from the day or something like that um Mm -hmm. 
but you know i think like even something like being prayerful about others is is like is like one of those ways that realigns me to mission or even in that moment and it's like those repetitions that help me help me see more and more about what god is doing not just like narcissistically in my life but in in and around me you know like like through me and with my friends and the people that i'm reaching out to the people that i'm praying about um mm. you know that's like one example i could think of um i i guess i don't want to like spell out each one i think those are great examples because yeah. you're right prayer for yourself as to really connect with God and also praying for others. I think that's, I remember when we were talking about it, you were like, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that I, that I don't pray for the people that I'm trying to witness to. Yeah. So you saying that, you know, adding that to your life has been really beneficial to helping you stay focused and refueled. I think that's great. I think that's a really great example. Um, God has a way of speaking to us through <clears throat> different languages of something that might be happening in our natural life that seems like ordinary any other day, meaning it feels just natural. And then he has a way of kind of letting us know that this is a Kairos moment where God is nodding to the things that you're thinking about or that God is speaking to you about the things that you're pondering about within and I know that a lot of people are wondering, am I on the right path here? Or is it too late for me to come back to the Lord? Or is it, am I too far? Am I seeking to even turn back and to find Christ? I think they're all, um, it's in these moments of doubt where God knows the direction of your heart and that you're seeking him and looking to him. And so how frazzled and confused you may seem doesn't matter to him because he sees what's within. And um, I guess like, okay, so to give an example of that, you know, I've been going through the multiplication table with Josh and it's very repetitive, you know, it's like, I wish I could just explain to him that two of two is four. Get it? There's two of two. And doesn't it make sense? Josh? He's like, oh, my gosh, it doesn't make sense. What do you mean? And, you know, we're arguing about that a lot lately. Or nine times two, Josh. Come on. Two times nine is 18. Get it? Nine plus nine. And he gets it. But he forgets it, you know. <laughs> so I just, so I remember when I was growing up, I had to literally sit down in Korea in second grade. Couldn't come out of my kitchen until I memorized up to the nine times table, but I don't want to do that to Josh. You know, that mm -hmm. was a very different, a very different place. So I've been kind of, dis uh, what's the word, interrupting his play, play time and being like, Josh, what's two times one equals two, two times two is four. And he's like, why are you pondering me right now? You know? Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, Josh, in these moments, you, if you trust me, like if you keep saying these things, you're going to understand it. And later I'm going to ask you and you'll be surprised at how much you know. And then, um, so much of it is bickering though. Okay. It's not like, wow, okay, let's sit down and let's learn this. It's never like that. And, um, so during the day, I'll just kind of plug it in. And, you know, so this, that's Josh's life. But for me within, I'm just thinking, God, you know, 
I feel very limited in certain ways that I can serve you or serve others. Like, and for me, I'm always like, God, am I, am I doing enough? Is this enough? Is this enough? And sometimes it consumes me, you know, cause I'm always like, God, what can I be doing? What is it that you're doing? And I ex- sometimes like, it's not even the spirit leading me. I'm obsessively obsessed almost with, am I doing enough? you know, in my lifetime or in this moment, like, right. And I think a lot of us are kind of overachievers. So I think a lot of us could relate to that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I remember that day, other than multiplication, there are a lot of other things going on, right. And on my end, and that was something I was praying about. And then, um, I was feeling like, you know, sometimes there are these whispers of the enemy, like, you know, you know, you're, you're not doing enough, Lydia, or you're not, you know, performing enough, or, you know, there, there are these voices of the enemy that comes at us, right? And it was coming at me that day. And then, um, I think I was putting Josh to sleep. And then he says, I said, okay, Josh, like, let's just go through the two times table. And I said, Josh, what is like two times seven? And then he says this and it's like, and this is what I mean by it could seem like any routine day, but it's, it's like, bam, there's a Kairos moment where God speaks to you to reassure you of something. And yeah, you could journal about it more after and all of that. But in the moment, you know, that there's a certainty of, God's conviction. And, um, and this is why I was kind of taking long because I didn't want to confuse anyone and I wanted to explain it and create a framework for it. But it's called the prophetic, right? And mm. when you are seeking and paying attention, God is pursuing us and he will answer us. And then this is what he said. Um, you know, mom, two times nine, I really was like, Oh, I can't get this, but it like, when you asked me in the afternoon what two times nine was, it didn't make sense. But it makes sense now. It kind of just like clicked, mom. I get it. It's two nines. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, that's huge. I mean, does you know what three times nine is? No, not yet, yeah. probably. But, <laughs> but I was like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I get it. It's 18 because it's two nines. And then I realized it was like breaking through a learning curve. You know what I mean? And I realized in that moment, God spoke and he was like, see, Lydia, it's not that people or you jump from one thing to another, like superheroes jumping valleys and hills, Mm -hmm. but it's day in, day out as you live for me each day and, you know, going through the struggles of these voices and the lies, like, and then God's, God was like letting me know, like repetition. Actually, I didn't even tell them about this, right? And he actually titled, like one of the points was repetition, right? Discipleship was repetition. Mm-hmm. He, I thought, God was like, it's in the repetition that people are formed. Yeah. And then I was like, wow. I was like, okay. And all of a sudden it just kind of broke through all the lies of me being faithful each day to everything I am called to do was enough. That me showing up each day, you know, because it's not that I'm not obeying the Lord, right? It's not that Mm. I'm neglecting my responsibility, but it's, I just felt like, is this enough? You know, I'm, I'm restrained. Is this enough? 
And God spoke to me and said, Lydia, it's in the repetition. And he encouraged me to continue to be faithful. And he encouraged me by really refueling me, by showing me the example of Josh. And I, I think that's, and I realized that the church is in need of encouragement mm. and encouragement comes in Monday moments where it's like a natural thing. And all of a sudden it clicks and the spirit has a way of like helping you make sense through that parallel experience. Um, something that's more personal to you, like he did in my situation, but also encouragement comes because we're faithful to following the Lord and is leading. And as he leads us, and when we act into the body of Christ, it has a way of encouraging others as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think another example that I want to give is there was another time. So, like, you know, if people think, well, some people have it easy and maybe, you know, like everything looks so swell on that end. I don't think so. I think people are struggling in different times and people are in different challenges at different times, right? In this pandemic. And um, I remember one day I was feeling really like walled in and I don't really struggle with claustrophobia or I don't mind not going outside and being completely crazy active. Like I'm not like that kind of an outgoing person, but I remember there was an internal feeling of almost like a, like a imprisonment around um, my heart that was literally built there over time. It felt like through all the, you know, feeling of, and they're mostly lies, right? Like through feeling of, um, I don't know, discouragement throughout the day that has built, or maybe someone said something and it was taken wrong and it was kind of like building. And, and then, um, Mm. I turned to the Lord and it, like you, like you, Joe, I, I started to journal. And for me, I said this many times before, but I started to journal and type out my words to the Lord. Like, Lord, I, I want to give you whatever is going on. I can't tell if it's completely warfare or if it's just me or maybe something I'm going through, but there seems to be something going on. And then as I am speaking to the Lord, the Lord doesn't just creep and say thus says the lord he doesn't do that in our time with him he has a way of letting us know in the same way with like routine to kairos moment in our prayer time with him there's a way of god the holy spirit comes and he kind of lets and leads the conversation not in a complete way where you feel like you lose control over the pen and i think that's that's such a exaggeration but in a very natural way where your thoughts are now starting to make sense in different ways right and i felt like the lord was kind of like reminding me of um the verse in psalms where it says um or in proverbs was it um, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life Mm. it is where all of life comes from and then i almost saw that lies are what brings about a barrier over your heart, right? And then when I spoke that <clears throat> into my journal, oh, so Lord, I want to break the walls that have been formed to the lies over time, whether a day, because so much happens in a day, right? Especially when you're restrained, right? 
um, or in this pandemic, so much happens in a week and anything that is built up, Lord, I want to take captive over every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God for our heart is a wellspring of life. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I literally felt it break. And I, I'm not saying I heard anything, but in my spirit, I knew that it broke. And then I knew that I had to share it with the prayer team. So I just started um, sharing the prayer and I shared it with the church and, and, and that day I got numerous feedback or replies from people saying I, I was feeling exactly that. And I felt a breakthrough. I felt encouraged. Yeah. And I think it's in the routine moments as well as in the moments where we are intentionally seeking out the Lord. But God knows, you know, so the question of, you know, that's like the long answer, but the question of how do we pay attention? I think Mm -hmm. all we could do is what we are in control of, and our control is that we can turn to God and we can seek him and know that he is there. And the pursuit is both ways. We're not the only one seeking him, but if our, if when you are, when you are in need of him, he will never reject you, you know? So God pursues us back and he pursues us first. And so I think that's how we pay attention because we are in relationship with him. And that's how we pay. That's how you can pay attention as seekers because you're not the one seeking him only, but actually he's looking for you too. He's looking at you. He sees you and he's working his way of helping you understand him so that you can know him. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's like what I'm kind of taking away from what you were you were demonstrating through your stories was that there's like this there's like an orchestration of mm-hmm. our part and God making himself known to us. Um and I guess, I guess kind of what I'm, I'm trying to say by that is that, you know, like you, I think you're right in that the one thing that we, not the one thing, but the thing that we can't control is, you know, the time we spend with God and the time we spend trying to listen and hear what the Lord is doing in our lives. And in that, and in that sort of like meeting place, kind of, if that, if that makes sense mm-hmm. is where there's like breakthrough or there's, um, these things that, yes just kind of show us that God is working and God is alive in our lives. And sometimes I feel like a lot of the times that breakthrough or that power is not necessarily always felt with a lot of people, or maybe that's something that they're miss we're missing in our lives is because, you know, a lot of that intentional, that, that intentional meeting place is not, is not um like, we don't, we don't go there, you know, like it's, it's not like, it's, it's like available and we know that it's available, but mm. there are things that are kind of in our way or like whether it's attacks or whether it's our own preoccupations with our lives and such as these things that kind of hinder us from really embracing and inheriting what God has in store for us as far as his calling um, and his purpose and like the relationship that can be deepened through these experiences you know it kind of you know it, it just kind of goes 
hand in hand with um you know like i guess why why we continue to do what we do and like why we are believers and why we are christ followers um day in and day out it's it's through um and i i guess i'm like thinking the right word here is discipline but it's like it's like this it's like discipline kind of um that becomes a part of our lives as it has been proven in our lives does that make sense Mm -hmm. right this discipline although it's painful at the time but it reaps a harvest for those who have been trained by it so there is an effect of discipline that is powerful and it's Mm -hmm. good for spiritual growth one of my takeaways from what we were talking about is that the thing I think I was also surprised of during this pandemic was um, just how I think how much God wants to bring me back to the basics. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, because you know, mm-hmm. like I think that's that's the thing. Like, like it's not like I'm I'm doing anything radically different. Like my life didn't is my life isn't like you know like uprooted and completely changed. It's just that I think He's bringing me back to those um, like fundamental repetitions. Like you know, I mean, obviously. When I hear repetition, I think lifting, right? So, like, mm. for me, it's not, like, I know that if I'm, like, trying to pursue something that's too big for me, like, my form breaks mm-hmm. down, you know? So, I think with what God is, what God was doing, what I'm surprised about is that it's just like, hey, like, let's take it back a notch and remember what the basics were. Basics were, like, integrity. The basics were mission. Mm-hmm. The basics were prayer. The mm-hmm. basics were journaling, like these things that maybe I felt like because I was so preoccupied with mm-hmm. the other things in my life that I've just like kind of neglected or forgotten. I thought I could like go do some fa- fancy thing or grandiose thing is I-, I felt like God during this time was bringing me back to just, you know, sticking to remembering what worked or what what my faith was founded on to begin with you know um remembering those things yes oh it's so true this thing with like novelty is such a such a distraction i think Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i mean god's really bringing us back to the basic and i think there's this assumption also that faith isn't working because new things are not happening and I think sometimes people feel like, well, maybe I need to try something new, but God's work in, I mean, it's like the basic, God always brings us back to the basic of his truth, of his word, mm-hmm. of who he is. Nothing changes about those things, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, it's so true. And I think people who've been trained by discipline in any field know that discipline pays off. It's the repetition that really helps memorization, helps you remember, helps awareness, helps learning, building muscles of any kind, right? Mm, Yeah. And it's like the one thing that we don't like because it feels mundane. But the, I think the whole paradox, I guess, of this is that we're stuck, but God is like really growing a garden within us. Like that's, 
it's really unimaginable that there's so much meaning and so much that God is doing within us if we pay attention. Hmm. I I think or I thought maybe that I've I've up to this point have done the groundwork, right? Uh-huh. But, you know, I'm finding out that there's a lot of like things to fix up before I build this house on it. You know what I mean? Like I thought, you know, like if, if we're going to go back to the uh, parable of building your house on the rock or the sand, I think like, you know, I think I was under the preconception that because of, how do I say this? Like I need to do like the big things or like the flashy things or like the important, like, like the seemingly glamorous and important things that the world is doing that, um, represent or like and like represent Christ there or something like that. Um, but the groundwork was really like staying um, diligent with my disciplines or like the foundational things that have um, carried my faith this far and like sustained it this far was like, you know, I think it started with remembering what grace was, you know, um, mm-hmm. like how important. like how important of a value that that was that you know was the start of fundamentally changing my life and then the importance of relationships um Mm -hmm. and then the importance of integrity when it was being tested during these semesters um Mm -hmm. you know like it just kind of happened step by step as we were like podcasting and as we were like um Mm -hmm. you know as we as we were in conversation and i think i had this like preconception that i have to go out and do that very important thing for God. When I think the realization is that the important thing that God wants to do in me is to keep growing me or like keep, you know, um, keep my eyes on the goal or like keep my, you know, like not get distracted by like whatever it is that is like flashy in my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, doing the honest um, like difficult part of becoming like Christ or like the, the things involving my faith that like aren't, aren't like quote unquote sexy, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like those things that make those things that have made me who I am today that I am proud of and like even more so if if I could keep my eyes on it you know what I mean like I'm very proud that one of my values are integrity and um you know that's not you're right I think that's something I learned it's not like I I knew that at first I used to cheat on like all my exams but um I think I learned early on like that's not that's not an enduring value and that's not those are not the things that add to a life everlasting. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I was like certainly surprised by this like recollection of memories during this pandemic of those, of those things. Once like all the dust settled around the frenzy of the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But yeah. Um, yeah, but I I just 
I, I thank you so much for this podcast and this episode as well. Um, because, you know, I think, I think you're right. And of course, like, I think what you said rings true about how God has been working powerfully in our lives during this pandemic, whether we know it or not. And, you know, I think a lot of people are coming to that realization and maybe I had a sudden spark of that towards the latter part of this, um, this uh podcast episode but i i you know before we close i was just wondering if you might have any more thoughts or any any last words to share with our audience you know i'm glad you said that because i actually made a note to say this because um as i was preparing my thoughts before the podcast Mm -hmm. um so when we started the pause or the lock-in in was it in march right we were kind of midway into our lent season Mm. Because we actually celebrate Easter remotely, right? Yeah. And we were having all these different conversations about Lent and what we were fasting. And there was a conversation I remember um, about it's not really about fasting coffee or or fasting meat or, you know, these things, you know, more tangible things. But really listening into what is God saying about what he wants me to fast so that I can feast on him? Like, what does he want me to let go so I can trust in him? You know, Mm -hmm. there was a conversation about that. And I remember um, we had talked to, I think our listeners about that, like, you know, this week, think about and pray about, you know, instead of just picking something and being faithful to it and saying, I did it for 40 days. Um, I think that's what Brazil does. I, I just learned about Brazil has this huge party, Copa Cobana. What is it called? It's, and, um, I was, I was watching a Fuchucho and they said, Oh, what party is going on right now? And they said, Oh, it's the preseason before Lent. They party like crazy because they're about to go into Lent season. <laughs> Oh, wow. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead of saying like, oh, I fasted that, so now I could feast on coffee or I could feast on chocolate, you know, it was really the challenge was pray about what it is that God is wanting you to let go because there was something that he want, is wanting to do. And before going into this podcast today, I felt like I was saying, remember those things that you um, fasted you know, remind people of those things that you fasted because no, none of us knew we were going to go into a pandemic for this long, Yeah, you know, and it was very, I believe that it was very, whatever he said to you before the pandemic began and before, like right when he gave you the assignments of what to let go to feast in him, I believe it was very applicable to the goal of what he is doing in us today and i saw it was such a great reminder that a lot of times we think the discipline is for itself but actually god always has a goal he is planning and he is seeing ahead of and foreseeing all things Mm -hmm. because he is in control so i just think that if you could just kind of spend some time and go back to that and see how god has been teaching you and or has given you that muscle through lent and through that time of learning, um, to get through this pandemic even, or to see things differently 
and to be formed, I think um, that that would be a really good takeaway also mm. in paying attention. Um, because for me, like as an example, like for me, I remember Joe, you had, what was it that you fasted? You shared with the listeners before. Yeah, I was fasting. Uh, I'm glad you like you brought us back to that lens season because it really is the kind of the beginning of all this pandemic lifestyle that we're now in. But I was um I was fasting, worrying about money and finances, and um a part of that also I think in the middle or like not in the middle, like a little bit closer to the beginning was also fasting alcohol. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, like, you were in the beginning, you were like, oh, I'm going to fast alcohol. Um, and then leaning into it and praying about it, you said, I didn't um, I didn't know that I need to fast this, but I'm going to fast worrying about money. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. It was kind of like that. So with awareness came, like, understanding, and then you fasted. And then God's been, as you've been sharing throughout the, you know, stuff, God's been speaking to you about how he has your back and all these things. Yeah. So for me, <laughs> for me, um, I remember at the time God was saying, I want you to, he specifically said like fast or let go worrying about your kids or worrying mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh man, that was, that's hard. But I, I really practiced that through Lent whenever I had the temptation because I was fasting it. I was more aware when I would be worrying about little things to whatever. You know how worries get it. It like becomes a snowstorm sometimes when mm. you keep worrying about things. And for me, I as I practiced that, like every conflict I had, I decided to obey and say, "God, I will not worry. I will trust in you." And it really built a muscle within me to be able to see things where I really believe that He's formed me through that season mm. for this season going in and um so i want to encourage everyone to kind of take a moment and think about those things that um that god said to you before because it's just a great i think it's just a good i guess application to know that god is alive he's not some mechanism but he has a plan and he is doing something he is alive and he is supernatural but he is a living god a living spirit is working in us and he's taking us through a journey of this life mm. for a reason and for a goal. And he has a purpose for us. So I pray that this week, um, as you hear the message and hear the podcast and um, review, <laughs> review and repeat and review the basics that he starts to make sense for you, the things that felt meaningless and mundane and routine and the motions of going through the motions of or repetitive that he would begin to really meet you and helping you understand how it all came and comes together, mm. um, you know, for his purpose for our lives. So, yep, that is what I wanted to say before mm. we ended. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great exercise. And I think takeaway that I'm also going to incorporate because that really brings back memories. <laughs> Um, memories that also, I think I am reaping the benefits of till this day, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it did did fundamentally change a lot of the ways I saw things. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. So thank you. Thank you for that reminder, Pastor Lydia. And thank you for this podcast again. Um, you know, I think 
this conversation, these conversations with the pandemic and uh, when we do get together have, have been very powerful and grounding for me. Um, and I'm, I'm sure for our listeners also, there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom and a lot of things God is doing that uh, we can take away from uh, with these podcasts that we do. And so thank you so much, Pastor Lydia. Thanks, Joe. And uh, thank you to our listeners as well. Um, please subscribe, like, and comment if you enjoyed today's episode. And we'll hear from you all next time. And share. And share. Oh, yeah, and share. Um, and, yeah, we'll we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Now, will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hey everyone, we want to let you know about an event that's coming up very soon. On November 13th, many of us here at 180 Church are going to be taking part in an event called Extra Life, a 24-hour gaming marathon designed to help raise money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. These hospitals, located throughout the country, have the sole purpose of bringing great care to kids in great need. And Extra Life is one of the ways that we as a community help to raise money for these hospitals, including the ones that are in our very own backyard. These hospitals aren't at work just during the pandemic, but every day throughout the year, they're helping kids that have life-threatening and very dangerous diseases, and they do everything that they can to give them the best possible care. And they need our help to keep them going. On November 13th, we're going to be gaming for 24 hours in order to raise money for them, and we'd like to invite you guys along on the journey. You can check out our team webpage at extra-life.org teams slash team180church. You can join us on November 13th, you can join us in playing games, and you can help us raise some money for these great hospitals. We hope to see you there. Don't miss out. Don't be sus. Hey guys, it's Hyun here. I just wanted to give a quick announcement about our upcoming care package event for 180 Fellowship. Um, as we have done in the past this year, we will be giving out 200 care packages to NYE students, both in New York and outside of New York, including international students. I just wanted to say two things about these care packages. The first is that we will be partnering again with the AMM to provide um, custom-made NYU sweaters that say together on it. Um, as you can see, the font and sort of the spacing is a little off, um, and that's to reflect the way in which we sort of feel a little bit off in this pandemic. However, together, 
there's meaning and together um, there's purpose. Also in our care packages, we will be including handwritten letters inside Muji notebooks as we have done in the past. However, this year we will allow for all 200 participants to include a message of their own and randomize it and write it into each notebook so that everyone who receives a notebook will receive our handwritten letter as well as a, a small note from another participant to really show that we are in this together, we are in community and we're not alone. So we would love your support on this. Um, any amount that you're willing to give will all go towards the shipment of these care packages um, to people mainly outside of New York and we believe that this is actually the most important part because these are the people who probably need these care packages the most. So we just thank you in advance for your heart and your prayers over this and we can't wait to see how God will use this and you and us um, in his greater plan. So thank you guys again. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone, and we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase Quick Pay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180BRG, as well as on Tumblr at 180BRG. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 539-7-PRAYER or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you. From insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. 
Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.